Welcome to CPAC's Today in Politics. It's Friday, June 9th. I'm Julie Van Dusen. Here are the big political stories we're talking about today. The Conservatives continue to call for a new budget that balances the books and say they will work all summer and skip their holidays to make it happen. And they want the Prime Minister to do the same. Could he not cancel his summer vacation to fight the inflation that he has caused in our country? Could he not put the, 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 the mortgage payments of ordinary Canadians ahead of his tan or his surfing lessons? David Johnson has fired his crisis communications team amid reports that same company was also hired by MP Handong. David Johnson exonerated that member without even talking to him. Uh. There is conflict of interest and then there's this. What the hell is going on? And with forest fires front and centre on Parliament Hill, Green Party leader Elizabeth May takes a swipe at her colleagues in the House of Commons, starting with the government. But at the same time that they trot out measures to reduce greenhouse gases, they also continue to fund fossil fuels through subsidies, to build a $30 billion white elephant of a dangerous pipeline. Joining us is Robert Fife, Ottawa Bureau Chief for the Globe and Mail. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Julie. Well, so... uh. I'm not sure how to describe all this, but Pierre Polyev, I mean, he filibustered in the House of Commons for four or five hours the other night. And then yesterday morning, and this is all about the budget, right? He doesn't like the budget. And yesterday morning, he kind of upped the game and said, um, look, let's just rewrite this budget. It like totally sucks. It doesn't have a plan to get rid of the deficits. And I'm willing to kind of come here all summer and work. So are all my people behind me. And Justin Trudeau should do the same thing, quit working on his tan. I didn't know he like he did that. I didn't know like he goes to tanning salons or I don't know what he does. But anyway, quit working on his tan, quit the surfing and uh, just give us a decent budget. So like, you know, this is a lot of swagger and a lot of uh, braggadocio. I've been dying to use that word for years because. Let's face it, he knows the budget's going to go through. Like, he's no newbie. He knew that budget was going to go through. It had the vote. So what is this about? Well, first of all, you're absolutely right. Uh, the budget is going to go through. It's now gone off to the Senate. Well, he was uh, not long after he did his, his own filibuster. It was passed, but with the support of the NDP, and it's been sent off to the uh, the Senate for passage. And uh, he says, well, the conservative senators will block it. Well, first of all, there's only 15 of them left. And secondly, all I have been here for 40 years. If you have, Julie, and I've never seen the Senate stay late um, when they can get out early. And this is the same thing for members of parliament when it comes to the summer. Those guys are gone as soon as they possibly can. So that scratch that one. Um, and the other thing is that, well, he talked about sitting down and uh, let's redo the budget. He, which is never going to happen, he, he was asked, like, okay, so what kind of proposals do you have to cut spending? Well, he has none. Um, so this really is a stunt, but it's, it's, it's a stunt that, for very good political reasons as we head into the summer, there's an abacus poll that shows uh, 78% of Canadians are really concerned about the high cost of living, 31% think the Conservatives are best able to deal with that. Only 17% think the Liberal government is, and 16% for the NDP. This is happening, by the way, all over the world. Uh, inflation is up, cost of living is up, and governments who are in power 
are going to be blamed for it. So Mr. Polyev is being very smart politically to focus once again largely on uh, inflation and the cost of living. He had, uh, if you recall, a few weeks ago, he was kind of silent on the economy when the Liberals were uh, announcing all these EV uh, car plants and EV, EV battery plants, even though they were costing millions of dollars for us. Uh, they were all, uh, some of these uh, plants were going into Liberal, ri- or, sorry, ridings that were held by uh, the Conservatives, for example, or ones that they would like to win. So they their lips were sealed on that. That's now that this point. is now, now that this is over, yeah, uh, and, and then they focus on uh, Chinese foreign interference, yeah. which, as yeah. you well know, as important as the subject is that may be into our democracy, those it does not w- win you any votes. So the focus that's going to be all summer is going to be on the economy, the economy, the economy. Stupid, right? And I, I think I saw a poll by uh, Angus Reid, I think, uh, talking about how this whole economic thing is really hurting the Liberals. They're losing points. Uh, all over the place in the country because people um, are, you know, all these arguments that Polyev is making are converging and the liberals, you know, they can't, they can't solve your mortgage problems. They can't solve your inflation problems. They can't give you a cheaper chicken, you know? So, but he's pointing all the fingers at them and it's, it's uh, really starting to hit home. Well, he, he, they, the conservatives have been really um, effective this week as well by pointing out that, well, the Bank of Canada is raising interest rates to try to get inflation under control. The Liberal government has been spending, 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 which adds to the inflationary pressures. Even John Manley, who is the former Jean Chrétien finance minister, uh, has criticized, and the deputy prime minister has criticized the, li- the Liberal flag. You've got to get a rein on spending here because you're not helping the Bank of Canada which is trying to get inflation under control. So it's an effective message for the for the for the liberals. It's particularly effective this week with those with another jump in interest rates, which is going to have a significant impact on people who have lines of credit mm-hmm. or who have variable mortgages or mm-hmm. who may be renewing their mortgages. Yeah, yeah. If they're if they're the least bit close to the edge. Um, they are going to be in serious trouble. They won't be going out for dinner anytime soon. No, no, exactly. And and a lot of people are extending their mortgages like they had a plan to pay it off in so much time. And now they're renewing the payments are more every month. So they're getting 30 year mortgages when their hopes were to have paid it off five years before and so on. And, and, it's, it, and, it's, and it's, not, it's not just mortgages. And, and those are yeah, obviously the biggest yeah. burden on on any family. Yeah. But many people have lines of credit that yeah. may be a bit overextended and mm-hmm. that interest rates hike. Um, they are going to be paying through the nose and living on their credit cards and so on. I mean, you know, the more you have to pay in your rate and, 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 and you get squeezed and you're lashing out at somebody. Right. And so he's tapping into that. So um, let's talk a little bit about what everybody was talking about on the Hill and all over the country and just the haze, the smoke, the impact it had, you know, we could smell it. It was going down to the States. Flights were being canceled. Kids couldn't play outside. Um, and it forced all parties to kind of look inward and speak about their climate change plan. Uh, how did that go over? Well, uh, first of all, you know, the, the, the Bloc Québécois and the Green Party, of course, and the NDP have jumped on the fact that they say the Liberal government should be doing more about uh, climate change and the Bloc Québécois was particularly hard and saying, you know, we've got to 
basically, <laughs> on our oil and gas industry. Of course, it's in Alberta. If it had been in Quebec, they wouldn't be saying anything about it. Uh, and and uh, look, we have to, this climate change is a very serious issue. The uh, Conservative Party does not have a climate change policy other than uh, axing the carbon tax. But we also have to be realistic about this. Canada contributes 1.5% of greenhouse gas emissions globally. China is over 30%. India is way up there, maybe 25%. The United States is very high as well. So we are a, if we shut down our oil and gas industry, we would make, we would seriously uh, affect our, our economy and hurt our economy and lose a lot of jobs and they create a lot of wealth for us, including for our healthcare system. But we would be have no measurable impact on uh, greenhouse gas emissions. So it this is a global problem, and we have to contribute to it. And I think the government has been effective in trying to get, uh, and companies have been get, becoming more effective in doing using carbon capture and other uh, and caps on their on energy, particularly in oil and especially in the oil sector. Um, but you know, we we got to do something about China and India. That's the real problem here. Yeah, but that's that's not going to happen. We're trying to deal with Chinese interference, which we'll get on to in a second. We certainly can't stop them from the pollution that they're spewing out into the atmosphere. And if you listen to Elizabeth, Elizabeth May yesterday, the Green Party leader, um, you know, she just let everybody have it. She talked about the self-congratulatory approach the liberals take to everything they do regarding climate change and meanwhile they bought a pipeline right that's going to um it's 80 percent done or whatever but uh, it's going to you know spew more fossil fuels into the environment um she was saying pierre polyev has not made the link between these forest fires and climate change she said the only time he mentioned the word fire in the last few days is to fire david johnson um you know so uh, you know she certainly talks about uh the the fact that we're in a very calamitous situation here because of the heating of the earth you know, i don't know if that means we just sit back and say okay well let's wait for china to figure it out i don't know no but but it's not as if anything isn't being done here in yeah, this country yeah. people are doing things but it won't make a difference if we shut down our oil and gas industry other than hurt everybody else in this country there needs to be global action against uh, climate change when you have the major polluters those are the ones. And in fairness to China, even though they are building more and more coral plants, they are also trying to move fairly quickly in terms of, uh, um, you know, electric vehicles and solar. They're way ahead of a lot of countries on solar. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. if you go to China, uh, you can't breathe the air. Yeah. So their own people are, are uh, you know, mm -hmm. clamoring for the Chinese government to take this seriously. Well, clamoring, this is, clamoring quietly, but clamoring maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, anyway, so it was very interesting to see, you know, the problem right at the doorstep. I mean, you couldn't walk anywhere on Parliament Hill without smelling smoke. So everybody had to kind of uh, knuckle down and say, well, what would you do about it? What would you do about it? You know, so um, let's move on. Bob, to, you know, the latest in Chinese interference, because it's been certainly a topic all week, too. And yesterday, as is your want, you had another story in the Globe talking about how uh, David Johnson had fired the crisis firm Navigator. Um, tell us about what's behind that. 
Okay, so uh, last week, CBC, uh, Ashley Burke, uh, reported that uh, Navigator, which is a crisis communications firm, had been hired by Mr. Johnson's Office of the Special Rapporteur on Chinese Foreign Interference. And that became a story because uh, Navigator is usually only hired when you're in kind of in trouble. Um, and uh, but the government, but they, I mean, though they said, well, they've been dealing, working with their law firm, Tories LLP, for a while, and then they brought them in, and they had nothing to do with the actual writing of the reports or interviewing people. They were simply doing basically press releases, which I, I think they do more than just press releases, Julie. Um, but okay, then we then somebody tipped me off saying that, well, Navigator um, had also been working for. Uh, former Liberal MP Han Dong was now seen as an independent. And I go, what? Because Han Dong was a subject of Do David Johnson's investigation into Chinese foreign interference. And he, he absolved him of one uh, of the uh, allegations raised by Global News that he apparently had talked to the Chinese consul general in Toronto and, and had said, look, politically it would help us if – if you were to extend uh, Michael Spavak and Michael Kovic's uh, time in a Chinese prison, because uh, it would only benefit the Tories if they got out early. Now, he denied that. He's suing Global. Mr. Uh, Johnson came out in his report and called that false allegations. But he did raise other serious issues of Mr. Dong being very close to the PRC consulate in China. And there was a lot of hanky-panky going along in his 2019 nomination where it looked like the consulate was organizing busloads of people uh, to help out in his campaign. But he said, oh, of course, uh, Handong didn't know anything about this. And so he was asked at committee, uh, like, you know, did you talk to him? Oh, no, no, he hadn't talked to him because poor guy, he was busy, uh, you know, working on his lawsuit. So, you know, I don't want to bother him. And then it turns out that he was represented by navigators. So the obvious question is, um, you know, what kind of role or influence at all did Na Navigator have since they had once represented Han Dong? Um, anyway, once we, we put those questions in, there was, uh, I think, stunned silence at first at the, on the phone. Um, and they, it, uh, at, the, at the Mr. Johnson's office, they ended, anyway, they ended up firing him. They insisted that he that Han Navigator had, was not involved in that. And Navigator told them that they had uh, represented Handong before they went to work for the special rapporteur's office. But the question is, there's two questions here. Did not, why wouldn't Navigator have told them, um, you know, we had represented this Handong guy and you're going to be looking into him or, or even more important, like why didn't Mr. Johnson's office say, Hey, are you in any conflict of interest at all here? Uh, they they have all kinds of high priced lawyers from Tories. Like somebody should have asked Navigator, and they didn't. So it it reinforces this narrative that this is um, uh, an, uh, the special rapporteur's office is kind of riddled with conflict of interest and uh, or appearance of a conflict of interest and bias, and they can't seem to get their act straight. I mean, we have, they've already faced the problem that. You know, everybody's gone after Mr. Johnson because he has a close uh, friendship with the Trudeau family. He sat on the mm -hmm. uh, Pierre Elliott Trudeau Foundation mm -hmm. after he left as governor general. And then we reported this week that his the chief counsel or lead counsel that he had, uh, a woman named mm -hmm. Sheila Block, had, has contributed money to only to the Liberal Party 
from 20 federally, uh, 2020, 20, 20, 2606, 2022. And, and, and in 2021, it actually attended a um, Trudeau fundraiser as a guest of honor. So right. it doesn't well, look very good. Mr. Johnson did say later on Power and Politics with David Cochran that he had she had contributed to John Tory's campaign. Yeah, yeah. Conservative as 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 mayor. Right, right. Yeah. But yeah, I guess, you know, uh, I don't know. And, and John Tory is a uh, Tory. His last name is Tory. So anyway, exactly. I'm, exactly. Yeah. But I guess I guess just the optics, it's like uh, it's like you're going through a divorce and you're both using the same lawyer. Right. It doesn't make sense. Right. Like it's just way too cozy to have a uh, navigator. Uh, you know how? Yeah. I mean, like you say, it begs all sorts of questions about uh, why did you never talk to Handong? Was it because navigator told you not to? I mean, we, we can't assume any of that, but it just looks too cozy. Yeah, and he also like you know, Cesus uh, warned the government. Um, Jeremy Broadhurst, uh, who is a and one of the senior officials, that they had tr- they had concerns about hand on in 2019, and that went went to the prime minister, and then he just ignored it. And um, Johnson just accepted that the prime minister did this. I mean, his view seems to be that if the prime minister tells me something. Like, oh, I just accept his word for it, which the opposition parties say that is why you need a public inquiry with a judge with full subpoena powers, ability to cross-examine witnesses. So they just don't take people's word for it. Show me the documents. Mm-hmm. Come in here, mm-hmm. staffer or prime minister or ministers and swear under oath. Well, I was going to say none of this is under <clears throat> oath, right? Um, no, none of this is under oath. Whereas a public inquiry, the you know, it's kind of ups the pressure on you. It's all under oath. But um so Bob, let's let's just finish on this with your prediction because you've been immersed in this like a big snake pit <laughs> for months. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you see this going? Because uh, the, uh, David Johnson has said, you know, I'm moving forward. I'm going to have hearings. Uh, I'm going to start with diaspora members. And then we saw some of them this week on the Hill saying, well, we don't want to talk to him because we don't feel secure. Uh, We don't know how many people will participate. But just in general, if you're going to make a prediction, because we're heading into a long parliamentary summer break, what do you think is going to happen? Where is this going? Well, uh, uh, Mr. Johnson seems determined to hang on as long as he, unless there are some other big scandal that comes up or some other um, revelation that uh, puts into question his report or um, something more serious about the government. I think he's, his, he intends to, pretty stubborn, intends to go uh, through the summer and that's fine with the liberals. They just want this to go away. Um, so I, I think, we, but the problem they have for the government is that he's going to be holding hearings all summer so this is not like they can escape this for the summer because he's going to be hearings, have hearings all summer. And people like the, the members of the diaspora community uh, uh, or, you know, who have been affected by and, and be targeted by China and bullied and harassed, they're, they're going to be all appearing and they're going to be telling Mr. Johnson, you know, we've said this uh, countless times to parliamentary committees and to reporters and in reports, and we want a public inquiry and you're wasting our time. And we don't know what. Other things may be said at these committees that raise more questions about right. whether mm-hmm. the, the government has done something wrong in terms of what, how serious they were. Did they really seriously ignore um, 
the threats against three members of parliament? Did they ignore um, this Chinese interference that was targeted largely at the Conservative Party because it was just an election year in 2021 and they were going to benefit from it? Those are the un unanswered questions, which is why we have to have, should have a public inquiry. So I don't know how the summer is. You're asking me to predict. I don't. I can't predict because this is one of these stories that is just unpredictable. Every time you turn around, there's something. Well, like I say, like I say, Bob, a lot of it depends if you're just going to lie on a beach and listen to the waves or if you're going to get a bunch of brown envelopes. But <laughs> <laughs> please send me brown envelopes <laughs> or any color, any color. <laughs> any color. <laughs> anyway, listen, have a great uh, day. And uh, I know I'll see you. See you soon, probably eh? at the press gallery dinner this weekend. That's right. Saturday. You behave yourself, Julie. Well, that's like asking me not to breathe. So, <laughs> OK, All right. have a great day. Parliamentary Bye. Bureau Chief for the Globe and Mail. That was Bob Fife. What do we do to save Canadians from this financial catastrophe? Now, let's take a look at what political columnists, commentators and editorialists are saying today. In the Globe and Mail, John Iveson argues Pierre Poilievre's cost of living peak has the public mood right, if not always the facts. He writes, plenty of people have spluttered about the conservative leaders musing on killing the carbon tax in a week when climate-related forest fires have made the air unbreathable. But the political reality is that the cost of living is the top issue for more than twice as many people as climate change. Poiliev may be careless with the facts and misguided in his intent to kill a market-based method of reducing consumer emissions, but he has the wind at his back. In the Toronto Star, Bernie M. Farber argues the Prime Minister must reject France's extradition demand for Hassan Diab. He writes, France, despite all reasonable evidence to the contrary, has held a trial for Hassan Diab in absentia. Though a lower court has found absolutely no credible evidence to even hold a trial, this higher court found him guilty. France wants Diab extradited again to serve a life sentence for a crime much of the rest of the world believes he did not commit. When Diab returned from France in 2018, Justin Trudeau said this never should have happened. The prime minister must now ensure that Canada doesn't send Diab back to France. If not, Canadians must face the real possibility that an innocent man will be torn from his family to spend his remaining days in prison for a crime he did not commit. Now, here's what's coming up on today's political agenda. The Prime Minister will be in private meetings. Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland will also be in private meetings in Toronto. Conservative leader Pierre Poilievre will hold a news conference in Toronto. And Environment Minister Stephen Guilbeault will address the International Eco-Citizenship Summit in Montreal. He will also make an announcement in Laval about protecting and restoring habitat for species at risk in the greater Montreal area. That's CPAC Today in Politics for Friday, June 9th. Tune in to Primetime Politics Weekend on CPAC for coverage of all the week's events. I'm Julie Van Dusen. Our podcast returns Monday morning. Have a great weekend.